This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Take a seat, fellow sinners. I was in the fourth grade when I almost lost my cross. It's a little silver Celtic cross that I wear on a chain around my neck. My parents gave it to me when I was in the first grade. And so the three years I had been wearing it by the fourth grade really pale in comparison to the 31 or 32 years I've been wearing it now. But even at that time, that three years represented about a third of my life. And so this little silver cross had become precious to me. My friends and I had taken to doing some unsanctioned wrestling at recess time. In a wooded section of the schoolyard, somewhat screened from prying adult supervision. And we were mid-wrestle when I heard the jingle of a snapped chain and felt it slip from around my neck. I cried out, and my friends must have sensed my genuine distress, because the roughhousing came to an end. And we spent the rest of recess on our hands and knees, searching the leaf-covered ground, but to no avail. And so I was back at my classroom explaining what had happened to my teacher and asking for permission to go back outside and look just a little longer. And suddenly I heard that telltale jingle one more time. And the chain slipped from inside my sweater where it had been lodged and fell all the way to the ground this time and bounced on the carpeted ground. And my teacher and friends rejoiced with me because what had been lost was found. That little cross was precious to me, is precious to me, far beyond any intrinsic or monetary value. And today Jesus tells us that sinners, sinful people, are like that to God. Jesus tells us a sheep story and a coin story. And we call Jesus the Good Shepherd, and in John's Gospel he calls himself the Good Shepherd. But this is Luke's gospel, and this story could more easily be called the parable of the lousy shepherd, or at least the reckless shepherd. Because imagine the utter strangeness of leaving the 99 defenseless and alone in the wilderness to go after the one. This is not a cautious shepherd. This is a shepherd who makes a bold choice, a reckless choice, because to him it's worth it. He doesn't stay inside the fold where things are predictable and organized. He goes out on this reckless rescue mission to find the lost one because it's unimaginable to him to lose even one, because that one is precious. Now, the cliché about sheep is that they are not very smart. And that may or may not be strictly true. Scientists tell us that sheep have remarkable capacities for pattern recognition and complex social relationships among themselves. 
But no matter how smart or dumb sheep may really be, they certainly don't take care of themselves. And they can easily get lost. And they can easily wander off. They don't do this because they're malicious. They don't do this because they're bad sheep. Getting lost is pretty much what sheep do. If not, taken care of. And as for coins, coins are certainly dumb. Coins are inanimate objects, and they don't get lost on purpose. And so the shepherd doesn't say to the sheep, you must be a defective sheep for getting lost. And the woman doesn't say to the coin, if you go missing again, I'm throwing you out with the garbage. How does this apply to us as God's sheep, God's coin? I'm not saying exactly that we have no agency in the choices that we make, although perhaps we often have less than we realize. But I am saying, and I think that these stories are saying, that like a sheep and like a coin, we do not have the power to choose not to be sinners, to choose not to need finding, to choose not to need God's help. And I think these stories are also saying that the initiative of our salvation doesn't rest with us. It's God's work. It's God all the way, the crazy shepherd who goes out in search of a single sheep, the woman who obsessively tears apart the whole house looking for the coin, and then throws a party for all her friends once it's found. Sheep and coins don't find themselves. They don't make resolutions to get lost no more. They don't turn over a new leaf and get their act together. They just sit there, lost and helpless, until the one who loves them brings them home. What does this mean for us? It means, I think, that God is not scandalized by sin. God is not surprised by sin. God does not stay far away from sin. Sin is where God comes to find us, in the darkest places where we might wander. Now there's a paradox about being here in church. Because we know, we are assured, that Jesus will reliably show up here that when we are gathered in his name, he will be in the midst of us. But there's a great temptation for a church, for any faith community, to start to think of itself as a sort of club of the 99 sheep, a kind of fellowship of those who think that they are not lost, or at least not very lost. The fellowship of those who have their lives together, or, or think they have their lives together, or at least let other people think they have their lives together. And with that can come another temptation to imagine that someone else is the lost sheep. And if we start to think that way, we make two dumb sheep mistakes. First, we forget that if we're supposed to be the 99, 
and the other person who's not here is the lost sheep? Where does that put Jesus? Not in here with us. If we are the 99, then Jesus has left the building. Jesus is out somewhere looking for those who need him. Whether it's under a doorway or in a prison or in a hospital or wherever one of his sheep is suffering. And the second mistake we make is that we forget that in this story, when Jesus talks about 99 righteous people who need no repentance, he's talking about fictional characters. Because in the real world, 99 righteous people who need no repentance don't exist. There's nobody here but us lost sheep. And so we are set free when we quit trying to convince ourselves and others that we're not lost. Jesus doesn't spend his time in the neatly vacuumed rooms of your heart. He doesn't hang around in the parts of yourself that you keep respectable and put together. Jesus is to be found in the back room where you hide your garbage, knocking at the door of the ugliest, most insecure, lustful, greedy, grasping rooms of your heart, and knocking not to come in and condemn, but to come in and heal. If you go to San Francisco sometime and visit St. Gregory of Nyssa Episcopal Church, you'll find a Greek phrase engraved on the altar table in beautiful gilded Greek letters. Utos amartolus prosdechete, ki sinestii auftis. And it doesn't mean holy, 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 or do this in remembrance of me, or one of those other phrases that we often might see on altar tables. Instead, the people at St. Gregory's decided to put on their table this phrase, which is from today's gospel, a phrase that was meant as an insult to Jesus. This guy welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that insult has become for us a sign of Jesus' deepest love. Those words might not be visibly engraved on this table, but they're there invisibly just the same. Because this table and every altar table is for lost sheep and lost coins and lost spirits. The only one not invited is the one who thinks that they have no need to be here. So come. Let whoever is hungry take food, and whoever is thirsty take drink without a price. Let the shepherd and the woman call their friends together and throw their parties. Let there be rejoicing in heaven, and let the sinners come and sit down at the heavenly feast.